How is data transforming business? Presented by Enterprise Management 360 and moderated by Donna Burbank. Hello and welcome to the second installment of the EM360 podcast series on how data is transforming business in today's marketplace. I'm Donna Burbank and I'll be your host for today's discussion. Today's discussion focuses on the enterprise data warehouse optimization using Hadoop. A hot topic in the industry today is how big data in Hadoop is changing the data warehousing landscape, and I'm sure you've been discussing it as well in your organization. I mean, does Hadoop augment the data warehouse or replace it altogether? And how much of the traditional data warehousing fundamentals like data modeling and data transformation and ETL remain the same, or what changes in this new Hadoop landscape? So to answer some of these questions, we're bringing together several experts today in the big data industry to discuss what these changing data warehouse dynamics are in this new world of big data. So today, I'm joined by two special guests, which is Paige Roberts, product manager of big data at SyncSort. Welcome, Paige. And David Russell, solutions engineer at Hortonworks and also the co-host of the Roaring Elephant podcast, which is a great source of updates and discussions on topics such as big data. So without further ado, I wanted to get your thoughts on what I sort of mentioned in the opening. A lot of organizations are struggling with that question of what data warehousing means in this new world of big data. Does this concept of the data lake obviate the need for traditional best practices like data modeling and ETL? Or does it augment them? So could you clarify what your perspective is as leaders in this big data space? So I'll I'll start with you, Dave. Your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. So in many cases, it certainly doesn't remove the need for a traditional enterprise data warehouse. You know, the EDW is very much still alive and kicking. But what it often does is augment that particular resource. So when we're talking about the big data journey and the use of the data lake, it's definitely something that organizations will work their way through. You know, maybe they'll start initially with storing all their data on the EDW. They'll start to do maybe an active archive project where they you know, move their colder data onto a Hadoop-based data lake. Then maybe they'll go through a process of you know putting their ETL and their initial data ingest onto the data lake and have the data lake then feeding the EDW further downstream. So these kind of different steps are all steps along the way to the data lake. And it's not really about necessarily removing the EDW completely, but making sure that it's used in a more kind of cost-effective fashion. And Paige, what are your thoughts on that? Do you see that as the data warehousing staying and it's more about cost optimization now? Or, or do you see the data lake as a replacement for the warehouse? What are your thoughts? I agree with Dave on this. I think people's data warehouses are overloaded currently. The big data wave has just swamped them. And a lot of workloads that were not really meant to be done on a data warehouse are now being done. So instead of fast BI, they're doing sluggish ETL. They're dragging down their systems with a lot of workloads that that are really expensive to run on a data warehouse are really meant to be run on a, a less expensive scale out system and they can accelerate their data warehouses by pulling some of that unnecessary workload off by storing some of their older data in another location, things like that. When data is locked in those expensive formats and when it's stuck in your mainframe or in your Netiza or your Teradata, it tends to be a little isolated as well. There's new formats of data out there. There's unstructured data and sensor data and web data, and you just can't afford to put those on those expensive 
data warehouses, you have to put them somewhere else. And if you want the data warehouse and the other data to interact and work together, you need a scalable platform like Hadoop to make that happen. It's not going to take over the world so much as it's going to include more than just what your data warehouse can do. So both of you really hit on that topic of, you know, cost and speed and reducing, you know, fit for purpose in a way of of offloading some workloads onto this new Hadoop ecosystem. I mean, another big part of a data warehouse really is, you know, we often think about it in terms of business intelligence and business reporting. So when we talk about Hadoop, do you think the business users have a place to play in this? Is it business users and IT working together? Or is Hadoop really more in that back end that something IT worries about? What do you think about that, Paige? It's certainly business and IT working together, but business users have to be the driving force. The real reason to do something like this is to accomplish a use case. You have to have a purpose. You don't want to just build a Hadoop data lake as an IT exercise because it's a cool tool. You need to have a reason in mind. Solve a single problem. The most successful use cases for A data lake that I've seen with our customers have always been people that start small. They have like one single problem that they want to solve. Uh, Maybe their their mainframe systems are overloaded. Maybe they're trying to store more than six months worth of data in their Teradata, and they don't want to pay for a much larger system. So they start with one simple thing. Let Let me take ETL workloads off and put that on a Hadoop cluster, or let me archive my older data so that I can do long-term data time series analysis later, but I don't have to store years worth of data in my in my data warehouse where I want, you know, fast access to it on a regular basis. So if you start with that one use case of here's something simple and I'm going to accomplish this, and then you go, yay, okay, I've done something, the business has gotten benefit from it, and then you start to see the greater possibilities. Maybe you could move into something like, hey, if I pull in more data sources, I could get a more complete view of my customer, or I could accomplish more. And starting out with a small success and then building on top of that seems to be the best possible way to go about it. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, so many companies, I think, get a little overwhelmed with this concept of the lake. It just seems so broad. You know, it seems like an ocean. So I think that you know, idea of just picking that one use case and seeing the value, it's a very good point. Dave, how do you see the business really interacting with IT when it comes to something like Hadoop and the data lake? It's definitely the case that without business engagement, you know, big data projects fail. In fact, big data projects fail all the time, primarily due to that reason. I would say that IT does need to be properly engaged as well, though. When we're talking about Hadoop and big data, we're also talking about a break in the norm of what IT organizations have been caring about um, probably for the last 20 years of distributed architecture. You know, we're talking about moving away from expensive sand storage networks and moving to, you know, commodity servers with local storage, which is the complete opposite of where a lot of organizations have been thinking about, as I say, for the last 20 years of their data center architecture. We're also talking about, by and large, doing a lot of things in bare metal, which, again, lots of organizations have been moving more and more towards you know, virtualization and, and that side of things. So IT needs to be educated about this kind of change of pace. With regards to the business, Hadoop should either be generating revenue for you based on the, the kind of interesting use cases you're deploying on it, or it should be saving the company money based on things that it's doing, whether it's ETL offload or active archive or anything like that. 
but it should be a key part of what the organization's delivering. Now, again, that could be through to doing basic data discovery on, you know, joining a bunch of different business-based silos together, or it could be providing some form of optimization, whether it's a single view of customer or customer support. And then it's the journey towards that predictive analytics, that holy grail of sort of AI-driven business, that data-driven organization that people are all heading towards. Yeah, I I think, you know, it comes to business, you both really hit on the two things business cares about, making money and saving money, right? I mean, you both kind of hit on some really interesting use cases. I'm, I'm wondering if we can dig a little further into that. So maybe, Dave, start with you. Are there any organizations you've worked with that have really have gotten some great benefits that you can maybe share us some examples? Yeah, absolutely. The big thing really is to make sure that the first couple of use cases you focus on are ones that are important to you as an organization. So some organizations are making some fairly significant uh, cost savings from the very beginning of their big data journey. British Airways famously had a case a couple of years ago now, so they've been doing this for a while, where the first year of their big data program was based on an active archive offload from their enterprise data warehouse. They were required to keep a bunch of legal documentation around and they were doing this on their EDW. It's not data that they were actively querying on a regular basis, but due to the legal ramifications of this information, they needed to keep it around. Just simply the cost of offloading that onto a big data platform actually paid for the first year of their entire big data program. So there's really significant savings to be made even at the very outset. And then other organizations are are able to kind of look at insights that just weren't possible for them to look at before the granularity of the data just wasn't cost effective for them to store before let alone process at this kind of scale and that is across multiple different industries whether it's you know telcos that are able to deliver incredibly accurate footfall and demographic information which in itself becomes a brand new revenue stream for them or insurers that are using big data to deliver realistic cost basings for usage-based insurance products, saving money for both customers and the business behind it. Yeah, I mean, that that really touches on really the theme of this podcast is how data is transforming business. And you hit on that, things that we couldn't even store before or weren't even generating before are now possible with some of these platforms. So, Paige, are you seeing similar things or any great use cases you wanted to share in some organizations you've worked with? Sure. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of the same thing. Uh, we work a lot with financial services, large banks, that sort of thing, and um, and insurance companies. Guardian Insurance is one of our big customers. And one of their biggest problems was just they had a lot of their data in the mainframe. Uh, I know I keep mentioning that, but it's kind of our specialty. So a lot of our customers work with mainframes and moving them into the modern world. And in their case, they had thousands of tables and they were all overloaded because even though they're still running on 30-year-old systems, they're now having to deal with modern levels of data. And moving that into the data lake gave them a huge cost savings. But it also gave them the ability to look at all of the data across their enterprise. It centralized their data in a way that let them get better BI, a more complete picture of their company. Cost savings is a big driver for a lot of folks. 
moving off of those expensive platforms. It also helps you avoid the big upgrade expansion costs. A lot of the data warehouses are hugely expensive to buy something larger. When you outgrow one, you have to put a big investment in. And Hadoop has that capability of scaling incrementally. So as your data grows, you can scale a little bit at a time. You don't have that huge investment of buying a whole new system to contain a larger amount of data. And a lot of our folks also pay by MIPS, by CPU usage, which if you can take any workload off of that data warehouse and put it on another system that doesn't have that charge by CPU usage, the cost savings is immediate. So we've seen a lot of folks that are very happy with that. And just the unlimited aspect of being able to scale when you need to. If my workload grows, if my data grows, I can just scale and get bigger. I don't have to worry about not being able to afford that next big system. I think it's interesting your point you made about the mainframe. I mean, we look so far forward with these new technologies, it's easy to forget that mainframe is running a lot of these big organizations, and that used to be the option for big data. So yeah, it's a good strategy to think about. You've both shared some interesting positive success stories, but I mean, this is a new journey for a lot of people. Are there some risks or things people should watch out for and challenges and any kind of gotchas or recommendations you might have for these organizations as they they start out? So Paige, any thoughts on your side? Yes, I think one of the biggest challenges a lot of times is just getting the data in. Data warehouses are not small systems. They're not simple systems. A lot of times they'll have hundreds or even thousands of tables and just trying to sensibly figure out a way to move that data over into a new system that's got a completely different way to store files, a completely different style of doing things, it can be a massive undertaking. Um, I, I mentioned Guardian Life earlier. They had to move 800 tables pretty much before they could get any value. So they had 800 tables sitting in one system and they needed to get it into Hadoop, in Hive in particular, so that they could start querying it and using it on the other side. You know, that could have taken months. It could be very complicated. It could be difficult. I mean, in this case, we, we got it over for them in a few hours, but we had some nice tooling and that helps you out, I think. The nice thing about the data data is that it lets you share data, but if you have a lake full of data and you've pulled it from multiple different sources and you haven't tracked it, if you're trying to track metadata, trying to keep track of what's in there, where it came from, a lot of our companies, you, you talked about, you know, companies have mainframes, the, the ones that have that problem of trying to move from the very old to the very new are the companies that have been around for a long time. You have, you know, the big banks and the big insurance companies. They're trying to move into the modern world, but they still have compliance issues. They still have to do auditing. They have to keep track of lineage. And that can be really difficult when your data is coming from a lot of different places and then going into this new system that doesn't have the same way of keeping track of things. So you have to really keep that in mind. Um, Also, the quality of the data still matters. Data warehousing initiatives have always been about taking data and enhancing it and and exploring it and finding the, the holes in it and making it better. And that still needs to happen. If you just dump all the data into Hadoop and then you try to 
build your business intelligence on top of it, do your analysis, your machine learning. If your machines are learning on bad data, it's not going to work. You still have to do some of the due diligence to get your data solid. The data lake over time will become more of a center of an org. It has to be part of your governance strategy for your overall company. It can't be its own new silo or you've just caused another problem. I think that was a good point you made and maybe a little more specific. I think a lot of people are kind of challenging that with that now, of what that really means in this new environment and maybe some tips and tricks on that quality piece. Well, I think just the big difference is that in the data warehouse concept, all of the data is scrubbed. It's clean. It's solid before you ever put it in your data warehouse. You model it to be perfect for the that particular use that you're going to um, put it to. In a data lake, it's kind of the opposite order. You pretty much want to get your data in. You're not entirely sure sometimes what you're going to use some of it for, or you might put it in for one reason and then later use it for another reason. So what you want to do really is more get your data in and then do the cleansing and combining and what you need to do for the specific use case you have at that moment and be able to keep your raw data there so that if you go, oh, well, now I have a completely different use for this data, you haven't modified it for one particular use. It's still there in its raw form and you can just go back and do the enhancements that are needed for that particular use case. And that's one of the advantages, the flexibility of the data lake to be able to adapt the different use cases over time. I think the actual keeping of the raw data is one of the elements that people often kind of forget about. They're so used to being in a situation where they're so constrained on capacity that the the very thought of leaving raw data around is, you know, just completely out of their mind. Whereas on the, the data lake principle is you want to keep the data in its rawest possible form. Now, you may well, you know, transmit it off into an archive zone where you leave data with all the PII, personally identifiable information embedded still in it, put it into an archive zone and heavily compress it, heavily secure it and so on. But the data is there in its rawest form if you need it later. And then, you know, as different use cases come along, exactly as Paige mentioned, you know, you can still go back to that raw data, maybe look at it in a different way, enhance it in a different way, join it with other data sets that you then expose on a a different zone that is more accessible to the business. Yeah, I think you both summarized that really well. I think that will clarify things. For, you know, it, it really is sort of the best of both worlds in a way is that you have that raw data, but, you you know, the, the transformation and the manipulation doesn't go away. You're just doing it for specific use cases. So, yep. yeah, I think that's yep. a good idea. Do you have any other um, kind of best practices you wanted to share, Dave, just on that general topic of moving to the data lake? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, if you think about where Hadoop came from, it came from, you know, a lot of the uh, the dot-coms and uh, organizations, you know, internet startups and that sort of thing. And it came from an, an environment where security was just a complete anathema. People weren't considering security when Hadoop was initially designed. If you look at a lot of the advances that have happened over the last, say, three years, a lot of them have been about making it enterprise-ready in terms of things like security, things like governance and lineage and, you know, dealing with the sorts of integrations that organizations mandate. You know, they need to have 
uh, role-based access control. They need to have now tag-based asset control. So you can tag your data at ingest and those security tags follow that data through its entire life cycle. And you can apply policies against groups and users that are inherited from your Active Directory and your uh, or your LDAP environment. So these sort of things that... You know, traditional systems have have had in in many cases for quite some time that have been you know taken for granted almost are relatively recent additions to uh, the world of big data and Hadoop, but very necessary to operate in you know a modern enterprise organization. You can't you know you can't go down this route without having these cornerstone pieces in place. I'd also echo the things that Paige mentioned around data ingest. You know, we're looking at a huge variety of different data sources, not just the sort of structured data sources. So things like NiFi are bringing in, you know, streaming data sources, log-based data sources, you know, things that were traditionally considered to be junk data, such as web logs and that sort of thing. We're now getting valuable insight around the uh, the clickstream path of users that, you know, maybe traditional um, components weren't able to uh, bring people through and then the final thing I would mention on that is it's definitely a journey that if you're really just starting out on this and it all does seem a bit big and a bit scary then you know find a partner that is going to steer you through this process Um, someone that uh, already has a track record and experience you know in your industry or in you know other supporting industries that you're interested in that can actually guide you through the the various different steps on the journey to the data lake, can help you with training and education, can help you with architecture advice, all those kind of things to help you avoid a lot of the pitfalls that otherwise you'll stumble from one to the other, you know, slowing yourself down and really causing yourself needless pain. You're listening to the Data Transforming Business Series here on EM360 Tech Radio. About things that have changed so quickly, and this world has kind of flipped a bit from the traditional data warehouse to this new data lake. Where do you see the future of data warehouse going, particularly as it relates to big data Hadoop? And, and do you have any words of advice for organizations that want to plan ahead to make sure what they're building now will scale in the future? So, wanted to get your thoughts on that, Dave. Did you want to kind of continue your thoughts as, as we close out? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if we look at the way that things are evolving, you know, we're moving from a data lake that's primarily used for just the analysis and reporting of data to something that is actually the foundation for a lot of modern kind of big data-driven applications that actually sit on top of a data lake. You know, we're talking about real-time and and streaming applications, such as things like Apache Metron that delivers uh, cybersecurity insights at a scale that is just not possible using a lot of the existing cybersecurity tools and technologies in this space. You see things that are happening in this area. The the speed of the open-source innovation is driving a lot of these things forward at a pace that is just unimaginable for a lot of previous proprietary technologies. So, you know, embracing those open source tools is definitely the key about, you know, developing something that will scale into the future. We're definitely moving from a a time where the data lake is seen as an aggregator of a lot of individual silos of data and maybe then feeding data into a further silo such as an EDW 
into a time where really a lot of data you know arrives into the data lake and is even generated in the data lake from those data driven applications so it's an exciting time and i'm certainly looking forward to see where things are headed yeah you're right things are changing so quickly it's it's hard to keep track so a uh, page what are your thoughts on looking towards the future um i see a lot of shift in the hadoop ecosystem Spark is really kind of taking over the world. At this time, all the major Hadoop distributions include Spark. It's an amazing platform, and it's kind of revolutionizing the concept that that Hadoop is only batch, that Hadoop is slow. Spark is making it fast. Spark is making it quick and and snappy, and um, the Spark SQL and structured streaming and capabilities along those lines are really just bringing Hadoop up to the level that people expect of a, a data warehouse. There's improvements in other ways, like the SQL speed is, is vastly improved on things like Hive now has capabilities around, uh, you know, the, the, the file formats underneath and the LLAP processing that it gives it much greater speed. Um, so you get all that flexibility that Hadoop has promised and has delivered for so many years, but now you get it faster. <laughs> and that's pretty amazing. And I could see that just continuing into the future and getting better and better. The other thing I see is what, uh, what Dave talked about with streaming. Streaming has kind of taken over the world. Almost every customer we encounter nowadays is looking at using Kafka. Kafka is a, a streaming platform that basically allows you to to take all of your data from all of your enterprise and stream it constantly into your data lake. So you can take data out of your EDW, but as a transaction goes in, it immediately streams into the data lake. As you get web click data coming in, that immediately streams into your data lake. As you get log data from sensors or whatever other data you're trying to collect, it just streams in. And Kafka is amazing for enabling that, for it's becoming kind of the backbone of a lot of systems to bring all of that data and make it alive and, and make it part of the business. And, and things like Hortonworks Dataflow give you the, the capability to to act on that data even as it's flowing by, to recognize that something's happening and immediately do something about it. That immediate response is just amazing. I, you know, The cybersecurity capability is just one application for that. There's a lot of amazing things that we can do now and that we're just getting better. I think the, uh, the big data ecosystem grows at an, at an amazing pace. The, the maturity level now compared to even five years ago is, is just out of this world. It's, it's really an exciting area to work in. So I, I really uh, look forward to seeing what's coming next. We've definitely moved from a time when Hadoop was very much about batch. You know, that's where it came from, certainly when you're talking about its origins at Yahoo and indexing the internet and all that kind of stuff. And we've moved on from that quite considerably to a point where we're doing combinations of batch, interactive, real-time workloads, streaming workloads, all on the same kind of multi-tenant cluster that's being used by business to do reporting, driving dashboards, 
streaming workloads, data scientists running Spark, and all these things happening on a single environment. It's complete change in evolution from where we were with something considered old, slow, clunky, batch-driven. And I think it's just the progress that's happened over a relatively short period of time has been very, very impressive. Yeah, it's definitely a lot lot good to look forward to. And, and I would chime in and, and agree with some of your comments. It's really an exciting time to be in data management. I mean, things are just changing so fast. It's sort of mind-blowing and, and what's available and what will soon to be available soon. So unfortunately, we are out of time. This was a very helpful, I think, for a lot of folks starting to look at this space or, or dealing with some of the challenges. So I want to thank everybody for tuning into this podcast on our series of how data is truly transforming business. And we hope it was enlightening as well as enjoyable and that you'll join us for the next podcast where we'll be discussing data modeling as a profit driver for business transformation which should be an equally interesting discussion so thanks and see you on the next podcast how is data transforming business this podcast was presented by enterprise management 360 and moderated by donna burbank head to em360tech.com for more